Let's go. Welcome to Building Bigfoot, a podcast all about building that unique business that stands out from the rest. One of the things that I liked in the early days of Club Penguin was everybody's ideas were valuable. There's not ever like a bad idea. All ideas are good. They just might not have the right time. Hosted by Jonathan Whiting, co-CEO of Street Text. This podcast aims to help you overcome challenges that you'll inevitably face when building a unique business. If you're going to invest in doing a YouTube channel, don't expect anything for six months. Be happy if something happens earlier, but you need to do it with the mindset of like, I'm going to create a video a week or every two weeks for six months without the expectation of getting anything from it. Some people have spent their whole lives searching for Bigfoot. Growing a business profitably isn't that different. Moving on with this accident, I learned so much. And I'm like, how can I move forward in life just a better person mentally? physically and spiritually. Uh, This is Jonathan Whiting, your host of Building Bigfoot Podcast. Today, I want to talk about two things. Second part is going to be a talk that I actually gave at the virtual summit, which was about leadership, and then that will uh, be included in there. First off, I want to say thank you so much for uh, being a part of this. It has been so fun since I launched this uh, last year, a year ago now almost. And uh, just to see the amount of, of growth that has happened and it really cool. I mean, I, I can see that people are listening to this in Stockholm, in uh, Germany, Italy, in a lot in the United States, all over, and then uh, in Canada as well, which is which is really cool because I'm assuming there's there's obviously um, pockets or hubs where people are listening to it. And it kind of reminds me of when I first started my uh, my clothing brand and when I kind of started it, it was doing like online orders back in, I believe it was 2006. I want to say 06, maybe 05. And at that time, on e-commerce, online online shopping wasn't um, as big as it is today. And But it was so cool because you'd get like uh, these orders would start coming in and you'd see a, like one order show up in the middle of Missouri. And then, then a whole, like a handful of orders that would show up about two months later, for, for sort of like circling that area where that first order came from. And it gets, it's just cool to see stuff grow. And, uh, and, that, and that's one of the things I think is really fun about business. Let's go. I'm actually going to answer some of the most common questions that you have. And hopefully this will give you at least some food for thought and a perspective to think about. So how do I set realistic and achievable goals for my business? This is a great question. Uh, It's it's a really, really helpful question. And don't worry because nobody ever gets it right. You can look at the greatest uh, entrepreneurs of our time and they are constantly recalibrating their goals. There's really two kinds of goals. There's there's a aspirational goal. Uh, Our aspirational goal has no end date. In other words, uh, we want to um, we want to go to the moon. We want to send people to Mars. We want to whatever. It's it's a directional goal. It's not an end date goal. And the aspirational goals are really important for communicating uh, mission and vision and direction that you're wanting to achieve. Now, so that doesn't have to be realistic. That can be as unrealistic as you possibly want. In fact, the more unrealistic it is, but the clearer it is the better it is because it gives you that North Star. You know where you're moving towards. Uh, You know, one of the things that we want to do in our business is make it so that uh, social media advertising and marketing is accessible for anybody. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what your background is. doesn't matter if you're tech-savvy or not. We really believe that it is so vital and, and helpful for people 
to be able to access it and then have success with it. And so it's, it's really a North Star metric because it's not something we're ever going to necessarily achieve. We're going to have milestones that we make along the way and we're going to be able to uh, see progress, but it's just constantly improving that and making it even easier and more simple and even better and more performance oriented. It's that kind of aspirational goal. Then there's going to be, how do I set a realistic and achievable goal part of it? Think of goals as strategy communicated. So if you, if you set a goal, let's say um, you want to increase your customer base by uh, 30% this year, maybe that's a number that you put on, on there and you say, okay, 2024, by the end of the year, I'm going to have 30% more customers. That's a, that's a great goal. Now, what are all the steps that you have to do to achieve that goal? That's the strategy communicated. So the, the question you need to ask is what are, what are the two, three, four things that have to happen? And that's where you're really going to start to see the difference maker between a goal that's set and forget and unrealistic and never happens and a goal that you can actually see a path towards. So maybe you need to, one of your sub goals could be, I need to create a marketing and advertising uh, plan to attract enough customers to grow my business 30%. And when I look at that plan, I want to know, okay, what's my cost per acquisition going to be? And then how much time is that going to take and how many leads or prospects or customers am I going to need to get in my pipeline and how much is that going to cost me as a result? And I need to make sure I have everything figured out. So I, that, that could be my first goal is that I have to have that figured out. Step one, number one, figure it out. My second goal is to start implementing that. And then that can be part of it. If you want to increase the number of uh, referrals that you're getting, you could be looking, okay, who are my customers that are referring me the most? What can I do for them just to connect, touch base? They say thank you. But then also, what was the difference maker there that I could bring to my other customers? So maybe there was a situation that went awry and I saved it and now they're, they're super thankful um, how can I go above and beyond for my other customers that I have? And so that could be a part of creating and setting a framework. And that could be another goal that you have underneath of growing 30% is that find and, and over deliver on, on your customer base so that you increase the number of referrals from, I don't know how many, 10 to 12 or 15 uh, this year. And so you keep, you keep growing and expanding all the different uh, avenues. And so, and the other thing about goals is don't worry if it's not realistic because you actually want it to be a stretch goal. You want every goal to be a stretch goal because if it's really realistic, the problem is, is that you achieve it or somebody in your team achieves it and it's kind of easy. It's like, ah, I did it, not a big deal. A stretch goal is something that you have to step outside of your comfort zone to actually achieve. And that is something that is much more exciting and motivating and uh, worthwhile to go for. Okay, how do I handle failures and setbacks in my business? That's a great question. I think the the key thing is to is to say like, what can I learn from this? And always starting the day is something I can learn from. I have a mentor. Actually, he was on this podcast uh, earlier last year, Lance Schaefer. He's such a great guy. And he he when his business was acquired and he went and uh, joined the company that acquired their business, his first thing to me was like, I'm so excited because I'm going to learn so much. And the thing is, is, if you can always frame it as an opportunity to learn, then it's valuable. It's something that you can you can gain um, insight from. And, and that's a very powerful place to be because it's a very energizing place to be. The other thing is, if you think like a scientist, a scientist does an experiment. 
they are not personally attached to the outcome of that experiment. So, I mean, uh, what color does this chemical turn into when I light it on fire? I, I'm not emotionally associating myself with the outcome. I, my hypothesis is that it's going to turn blue, but I might be surprised. And then maybe I light it on fire and I'm like, oh, it failed. It didn't turn any color. Great. Now I know that this chemical does not turn a color when I light it on fire to my surprise. And so that's not a bad thing. Now you just are more informed about the world than you were before. And so then you just adjust your hypothesis and, and then you, you implement it as a result. And I think like the less uh, we tie ourselves to our outcomes and the more we just see them as for what they are, which is opportunities to learn, opportunities to be more informed about the world, the easier it is. And then the other thing is look for the wins. There's so many wins. And this can be hard for some people because their personalities are going to be wired more for the challenges and there's going to be other people who are wired more for the opportunities. But if you, if you can look at the, uh, what happened that was successful, maybe get third parties' opinions. They'd be like, hey, what did you think that was successful here? And listen to it. Don't try to discredit it, but actually appreciate and listen to it and add that to your experience of that journey. It will be a lot more energizing as you go through it. So you could say, okay, I invested this much money and in my advertising, my ads actually worked. That's a win. I was able to get ads that, that was able to get um, customers or at least get uh, leads or opportunities. What didn't work. Maybe part of my funnel wasn't as performing as I thought it would or should be or could be. So so maybe that's an opportunity to rechange some things and I can learn from that. But that's not a failure necessarily. That's just an opportunity to improve things. And so it's like always looking at it from what are the wins and then what can I learn? What are the wins and what can I learn? Um, I think that's a really healthy way of looking at failures and setbacks rather than seeing it as a setback necessarily. Like another setback, I just was an example. In sports, you know, I, I do a lot of sports. I, I, I do a lot of cycling and I do a lot of training around cycling. And when you're trying to improve your cardiovascular system, it's, it takes a lot of time and you get a small, you get these gradual gains and you're, and you're always working in the VO2 uh, zone. So it's hard efforts to improve your cardiovascular system because you're trying to improve your VO2 max. You're trying to improve your fitness. You're trying to get your, your hearts and lungs and muscles to all be more efficient. And then you get sick. And it's the worst thing getting sick because sometimes you get really sick where you can't train for a week or two. So not only is your body going backwards, but you're actually physically like, like it's just demoralizing because you maybe you were progressing and you finally got that result. And now you've set back and it took you three months to get that number. And, and it's going to take you another three months to get back. And the thing is, that's a setback. It's a physical setback, but if you have a goal of like, let's say you're entering a competition in another three months, you're thinking, okay, how's it going to work? The key is, is literally just to know that it's part of the journey. Like, it's not that I need that outcome today because that's a finite way of thinking. It's that if I just get back on the bike and keep progressing, keep progressing, keep progressing, eventually I will hit my number. Even if I get sick three times in a row yet to come, I will hit the number that I'm, I'm working towards. It's just scaling out the time frame instead of being that everything has to be now or immediate. It's just knowing that any that win is still a win. It will be a win when it happens uh, six months, a year, two years, four years from now, will still be a win. The time is irrelevant to the equation. So it's just, just stepping back from, from it is helpful. How do I scale, scale my business successfully? Well, I already talked about some ways, but uh, scaling your business is really about ensuring that you have processes mapped out so that anybody in the team, if one person or another suddenly like literally gets hit by a bus, someone else could step in and make it do that function. 
And so part of those functions need to be mapped out. You need systems in place, but then you need to have things documented. So it's just like, how do I enter my QuickBooks? How do I answer this type of support question? Anytime you face something and you think somebody needs to be delegated that, if you could just have a real short Zoom video recording explaining how to do the task, and then a couple real like just checklist items underneath that showing like when I do this item, I need these four things checked off, five things checked off, whatever it is. That gives you the, the documentation you need to scale. And then the other part of scaling is obviously uh, go to market where you need to be able to bring your product or your services to market in a, in a bigger way. So you always have to have pipeline coming in and it doesn't really matter what kind of business you are. You need, you need pipeline, you need distribution, you need awareness. So if you are a solar company, real estate agent, if you are a SaaS company, if you are like, it doesn't matter what kind of business you are. If you want to scale, you need to increase the number of customers you're serving. And that starts first and foremost by having great service for your existing customers. Without great service for your existing customers, the business is being built backwards. So you want to make sure you're starting first with a really, really great business. And that means going above and beyond for your customers, serving them, no quest is too small, that kind of mindset of really making sure that you're going above and beyond for your, or, or just building an amazing product, amazing product experience, the same thing. You're really building it for the customer. And then from there, now you are scaling. Cause sometimes we think about scaling, especially from a tech company like myself, we think about it in, in, in terms of technology and servers and like, do we have the infrastructure necessary to scale? But that's actually not really a scaling problem. It is, but it, it's, the the team can scale that that's a, that's like a good problem to have like if you have that problem that means things are growing and so you can hire people and engineers and technicians and different individuals who can help implement that the part that you really need to have built into your culture is that service culture where you overserve over deliver and that's something that won't just come after the fact like if you have a company that's like really flashy on the front end and they're really good marketers, but they're, they don't really have something of substance in the back end. You just watch those businesses fold in. They're like a house of cards. So you always got to start with the core, which is over delivering and making sure that the experience for the customer is amazing. And then the second part of that is you need to have marketing channels to scale. So whether that's advertising, you can scale through organic, you can build out your audience. You need to have an audience. That's really, really key. My biggest audience is the, my email audience which we've grown over a decade. And it's a very, very um, engaged audience. Every single one of our emails is opened over 40%. Sometimes we have thousands of people clicking links. It's a very engaged email. Sometimes they'll have an open rate of 70%. Like it's a, it's, it's a very active list. And the reason it's so active is because I've always treated it like I'm writing to myself, like I'm, I'm writing to my friend. It's not, it's not very promotional. It's just providing as much value uh, as possible and just really writing through stories. So, but that's the other part is like, what are you, how are you communicating and, and is the way that you're communicating growing or is it churning? And if the way you're communicating is churning, that just means that the style of communication is, is, is maybe too ask heavy or it's, it, you know, you just need to think about the quality of what you're putting out there. But th those are the ways. So you need to make sure you have a really strong, solid business product service culture, and then you have a engine that can scale. So you have advertising channels and you have marketing and promotion because that's about bringing the value to the market. How do I build a strong team for my business? This is a really important question. You build the people, the people build the business. Uh, if you are growing your business, you are going to hire people at some point. Uh, if you don't already, maybe your team's a hundred people in size, maybe you're 200 people, maybe you're a thousand people. 
uh, in size. You will know how important people are because very few percentage of people actually contribute a huge amount of the value. I saw on Harvard Business Review, they said something like, let me have a look. The top 1% accounts for 10% of organizational output and the top 20% accounts for 80% of the organizational output. So if you want strong people on your team, you want to see that benefit. That's straight from the Harvard Business Review and that's from these uh, studies that were done on that. There's a lot of research. And the key there is that you want to attract and then retain and empower really, really powerful people and building a culture around that. One of the ways you can do that is you can remind people the why. You know, why do you why do you do this business? Well, it's to serve others. Share stories, heartful stories from people, real people that you have served to have benefited. That inspires people because it reminds them of why they're there, why they do that. And then you'll see the best of people raise up. Uh, most people, the other thing is just from a psychology, if if you know that everybody actually has the best interest of the company or the team at heart, that's going to create a really powerful outcome because it's the truth. Everybody comes to the company. Nobody's ever hired to a company thinking, oh, I'm going to do the worst thing. The opposite is the case. They come to the company thinking, I'm going to contribute. And so ensuring that people are clear on how they're contributing and how they're being measured and that, they're, that their contribution, they can actually see it. Uh, that's an important part. Just knowing that each other has each other's back. So a weed is small when it's little. But if it gets too big and you pull it out or pull out the plants around it, and that's a good way to think about people, which is if you have a toxic person join your team, you really fast to fire them instantly. Like you got to know what your core values are as an organization. If a person crosses one of those values really early on in the hiring like journey and they just joined your team, just pull them out. Because when they're little, you can pull them out. It doesn't disturb any of the other roots. But if you let it grow, that you're pulling out toxicity and that's going to pull out a bunch of stuff. And so you don't, you just don't want to like, you basically hire on attitude hire people with really, really great attitudes. You're training them on activities. You're training them on how to do the thing, but if they can't do it, then you want to, but sometimes people just, you thought they had a great attitude, but they bring about all this stuff that's that's really demoralizing and demotivating for the rest of the te- like peers and trust your team. So if they're bringing this feedback to you and your team's been around with you for a while, listen to them and uh, have those hard, difficult conversations early and often and, uh, and make those calls because there's no like, yeah, just just do that and you'll and you'll keep a really healthy, cultivated team dynamic um, and just got the team's got to have each other's back. They just got to know if they know that that you have their back, first and foremost, that they can take risks and that you are going to take the responsibility of those risks. You aren't going to blame people for making mistakes, because guess what? Every single person makes mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've crashed servers. I've crashed companies, <laughs> companies, but I've crashed servers. I've crashed. I've done. I've, I've had some pretty like like serious mistakes that I've made. So and I forgave myself. So why would I hold uh, somebody else to a standard that I'm not even holding myself to? So no, it's like you want to make it so that a culture is that people feel safe, that they can take a risk and they can do those things. But then being supportive and being like, you know what? It's not about blaming people. It's about solving the problem. This problem happened. Let's all learn from it. Let's do an audit so we can all like get smarter together and prevent this from happening again. But it's it's not about picking out people or, or bullying people or anything like that because that's a very unhealthy way of building a company. You want to build a culture where, where really there is a strong team dynamic and people just get it. They're like, this is like we are about doing this mission and we're doing it together and we appreciate each other. We have an amazing team, amazing culture, a huge amount of integrity and values. Core values are really aligned and uh, let's go and, and, and take on this thing together. And that's really where you're going to build a strong team for your business. 
And then the other part about building a strong team, which is really important, which is, is promotions. People want to know that they can get promoted. The mistake that I've made in the past is I've promoted people with potential who haven't actually shown the, they've shown an aptitude, but they haven't shown the capacity. They haven't done it yet. And instead, there's a much better way of, of doing a promotion, which I learned from a friend of mine who built, um, the name's off of my head for a second. But anyway, so he, he taught me this principle and I thought it was so good. When you When somebody comes to you and they want to get a promotion, what you tell them is say, hey, the job of, like right above you that you want to go for, these are the three things that you're going to have to be able to do when you're in that position or that role. I need to see those three things for you to get promoted to that role. And so then that's an, as an aspirational goal and target for them. And they know that when they've achieved those three things, they're going to get promoted. And so they need to start delivering on those things in the role that they're currently in. It's now a, like, this is something I can tangibly see. And I know this is the right person to move into that leadership role or move into that next promotional role or the next responsibility. They have to be able to, they have to be doing the very thing that they want to do or they promise to do before you move them. And I think that is really the key for building a, a strong promotional culture within inside of a team. How can I stay motivated and avoid burnout as an entrepreneur? Okay, motivation and burnout, those are two totally different things. Motivation is depression. So, uh, or the opposite of motivation is depression. So if you are, if you wake up and you feel kind of like you just don't have that, that drive and you're not, you know, not feeling super motivated, there's many, many reasons for that. And I'm not going to get into them all. There's many health things to speak to a doctor. The thing that I will say is that if you're, if, if your core values are misaligned with how you're doing your your day-to-day, -day, eventually motivation will get worn down. So we, we all have a core identity and our core identity uh, needs to align with our values and what we do. And the problem is, is that if, I've, if I have a core identity that I'm, I'm like a really good person, but my job function that I'm doing is, is I'm allowing a compromise on one of my values. Maybe I'm saying like cutting corners and one of my core values is quality. Well, my identity of I'm a good person is starting to get worn down. And now I'm starting to believe, you know, I'm, I'm having a, 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 an internal dilemma around my, my personal identity. And when that happens, that can trigger depression and it triggers confusion. And so from... From that standpoint, always ask yourself, do my core values align with how I'm living every single day? And it is truly a choice because I can, I can tell you a personal example. Like uh, I was working in a construction company in the early 2000s and my boss is yelling at me and he's, and he's accused me of something that is, is just not true. And I said to him that didn't happen. And so he accused me a second time that it did happen. And so then he, and he swore at me. And I guess he really believed that this thing had happened, but um, the person he's accusing and I knew it hadn't happened. And so I told him very clearly, I said, if you, if you swear at me again, I quit. And so he swore at me. And so I, so I said, thank you. I quit. And then he was very confused because he said, well, why? Like later in the day, he said, I thought you quit. Why are you still working? And I was like, I quit. I gave you my notice. I didn't mean I was going to leave you stranded. So then that uh, night I called some uh, some other people I knew and I was offered a job instantly. Ended up getting an amazing job working for 
a really cool company and had an, like great experience that like spiraled in a positive way. But the key there is I have a, I had core values and it wasn't aligning with the culture of the environment that I was working in. And when you are clear with what your core values are, you can make that shift in that choice and the outcome can be really, really beneficial. And, uh, and so I made those decisions really easily because it was core value and I moved on. I happened to be really good friends. Well, I wouldn't say really good friends. I happened to be friends with the, my old boss and I've heard amazing things about him. Apparently he grew a ton even as a result of that. So that's amazing. So yeah, so that would be the motivation side of things. So staying motivated is simply knowing your why and aligning with your core values and, and the way you go. And then I guess that would also probably be part of how do you handle setbacks and failures? That's you know, thinking about things from a, a perspective of when, how do you avoid burnout? Burnout is different. Burnout is, is literally, you are so motivated. You wake up in the morning and you are motivated and your mind and your brain is foggy. And you can't seem to recall things as well. You can't seem to remember things as well. You can't, you just don't feel like you've got that punch that you're used to. That's burnout. So the burnout is, is totally different from depression. Although you can have both at the same time, they are different things. Uh, how do you avoid burnout? I think the best and most helpful thing you can have for burnout is good sleep or you know the opposite. Make sure you're sleeping very, very well. And to get great sleep is simple. I mean, it's diet. It's what are you, uh, are you drinking before you go into bed? Are you... If you're waking up in the middle of the night and, and that's part of life because you have young children or you just have a lot in your mind, find find ways of de-stressing throughout the day. Maybe you can take up uh, sports, uh, something athletic, something that you can put that, maybe it's going to the gym, like you can put that energy into something so you can get it out of your system before you go to bed. The other thing is allow yourself micro naps. Micro naps is literally, you don't have to fall asleep. You don't have to, it's just closing your eyes for 30 seconds to five minutes and just allowing your brain to take it easy for, um, and, and, and you can think about things, but try not to, but like, it's okay if you think about stuff, but your brain is actually using that time to collect its thoughts and, and renegotiate. And then obviously make sure you're getting the right kind of nutrition. It's vitamins, it's sup like, you don't need supplements, but you need, you need stuff that is, it's just making sure like, am I getting enough protein? Am I getting enough amino acids? Am I getting enough, am I getting enough vitamins? Am I getting enough vitamin D? Am I getting enough vitamin C? Am I, am I, do I have all the building blocks I need for a healthy brain functioning system? And then am I reducing the amount of sugar I have? Because sugar and brains, so your your brain essentially uses glucose for fuel, but too much glucose is destroys brains. So it's it's one of those things. So like if you can reduce the amount of glucose you have in your diet, amount of sugar, all the better. And then, you know, sports, uh, any cardiovascular system that's using up all the extra cortisol or uh, or steroid hormones that are in your body that's causing your brain to be overworked uh, is going to benefit you. So that's burnout. But I mean, how do you stay motivated and avoid burnout? I mean, if you love what you do and you're serving people and you just realize that and you know that there's a higher calling to your life because you're having a positive impact to people, that can be so motivational. And then uh, and then as far as uh, burnout, it's just health, health, just treat treat your body with love. Um, treat your body with love. What marketing strategies work best for startups? Startups, and I would include, I guess that would be uh, any business who are getting started. Um, you're in this sort of like start launch phase. What marketing strategies work best? Uh, that's going to depend on what you're doing. So uh, if you're starting a business and you are a service business, well, maybe I'll start with startups and they'll work that way. So for a startup, you're going to want to Get the word out. I, this is true for any business. You're going to want to get the word out. So figuring out a channel that allows you to do that. 
getting the word out. There's a lot of free press out there. You can get local press. Uh, if you just started a business, you launched a business, you can send that to local local news. They're, they're always interested in those kind of stories. You can send that out. Just doing this really cool, exciting thing. You can get that. You can do, maybe there's some incubators locally or provincially that you can send that stuff out to. Uh, send out the press, uh, what you're doing, why you're doing it, the mission, the purpose. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur and you're doing a service business, you know, why, like, what's your story? Why'd you get into it? Is it because you, you found a need or you, you, you had an experience There's some personal journey in there? Maybe it's just because you, you just, you took a crazy leap of faith and, and that sort of stuff is, is really interesting for people to read about. I find that story is very interesting. So yeah, the news will find those interesting too. And then they share that that's sort of free ways. You can obviously promote it on social media, although that takes time to build an audience and you don't really want to be promotional because being promotional is going to churn the audience. And so you, you want to actually create more of a following and that's storytelling. So, so document, so documenting your life, documenting the journey of the starting the building document, the creation process, people start to follow that. They, they find that really interesting. Um, and then advertise, uh, this, I think we live in the opportunity of a lifetime, which is social media advertising that includes YouTube and Facebook, Instagram. These are the three biggest, best channels for advertising. And I think Instagram, uh, reels is amazing it they're so effective at getting stories out they're micro stories but they're sharing something of value and uh you as a creator has to be really attentional with what you're creating but uh it's very very powerful obviously uh for any kind of business you can run offers through facebook ads and they are they're still to this day of all the stuff that i've seen they're the most effective they really are. They just, the ROI on them is insane. They are so powerful. They just continue to outperform. So that's, if you want to build a following, like if you're uh, starting up and you just need to get people to your coming soon page, if you are a new business and you, if you have an offer that you think people who are interested in your business will be interested in as well, you can give that e-guides, downloads, uh, all that stuff. Those are all very good Facebook ad campaigns and they work. They work incredibly well. I help businesses gen generate millions and millions and millions of people who are inquiring on, on these kind of campaigns. And, and so I see it every single day and they work really well. What is the importance of networking and entrepreneurship? Okay. Well, business is built on relationships. So networking is really important, but the way I network is I don't really like those sort of uh, networking events. I do go to them occasionally, but I not my cup of tea. I prefer doing things that I love and then connecting with people that way. So uh, cycling, simple one. I go to cycling clubs. If I'm in a different city, maybe I'll see if I find a cycling club in that city and just join the, join a ride. It's, there's a shared love of an activity and uh, I can network that way. That is honestly so much better. I like, I go to church. I, I can, I can connect to the church group. I can connect, uh, on uh, entrepreneur hikes, podcasting, really fun way to connect with people. I really enjoy it. It's literally like, this is like coffee for me. I get to hang out with people. The, so I, I think that business is built in relationships. We get that networking is an important part of it, but it doesn't have to be those sort of like awkward wine and dine type scenarios where you don't know anybody and nobody knows you. Though that might be your thing. Maybe you love that. Maybe you're the kind of person who hosts networking events. Uh, that could actually be really effective. I've never tried it. Maybe I will. My, my favorite is just finding events that I love and isn't important. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, you're building relationships. It's important. What are the key traits of a successful entrepreneur? Okay, that one, I'm going to dive into my talk I gave at the virtual summit, and I think that would be a perfect segue. So without further ado, thank you so much. I hope that you will uh, enjoy this, and yeah. Unwrapping success, remarking revolution summit, and a roundtable discussion with some of the best 
minds in the industry. Thank you so much for attending, guys. I am so excited for you. Um, no further ado, I'm going to give it to John to lead us on a special discussion around mindset. John, take it away. So Steve and I, we were at an event uh, where we're hanging out with a friend on the weekend and uh, he wrote this book and his book, it did really well when he launched it. He got on like the um, uh, New York Times bestseller list. It's, it was like number two on Amazon and, and it did really well. Well, uh, last year he sold about 100,000 copies and this year he said he's set to sell about 300,000 copies. And the, the cool thing about this story is that he did a really, really big push when he first um, when he first launched the book. But he said what's happened now is that there's been a word of mouth um, uh, kind of like groundswell that's taken over where, where it's like as he's launched the book, it's, it's kind of taken onto a life of its own. And what's neat about that is it's, it's really similar to how we grow our businesses uh we we you know we and this is what this event is really about it's about how can you generate and and you know grow your your database but then take that database and turn them into a word of mouth and turn them into a, a referral engine and really grow your your business uh way more than that but then there's another side of dan which is i think really interesting he didn't grow up in the easiest like world like if you it's in his book um it, life wasn't easy for him uh, but one of the things is that you, if you discover Dan, you'll meet him. He really doesn't carry his past into his future. So he's very forgiving. And he's also, um, he also is all about reconciliation. So he's constantly inviting his family and different people to different things. And there's a mindset that he carries about success where he has this, like, he made a decision as to how he's going to view his future. And that future is the thing that he's moving himself towards. And what's neat about it is like Zig Ziglar talks about the fact that in a, in a, uh, in a good market, there are people who are going to be winners. And in a bad market, there are people who are going to be winners. The choice, Zig Ziglar says, is attitude. It's like, it's our attitude that sets an altitude. And as we go into um, 2024, how we approach 2024, how we approach our um, our mindset and how we approach things that we we tackle. And that's really going to set what our altitude is in 2024. And there's a bunch of things I want to go into real quickly, sort of talking about what success looks like from the mindset. And then we can go into there. So the key is, is that everybody here can have those same results. Like it's not it's not exclusive to any person. Um, everybody can have a very amazing and incredible uh year the fact is is we all have a, a potential we all have actually i spoke about this a little bit with the team um a week or so ago but the key is is we all have potential we all have uh, uh capability we all have a destiny we all have um a plan and a purpose but here's the the kicker the only person that can fulfill that purpose is me the only person is that I, that can fulfill my purpose. The only person that can fulfill your purpose is you. The only person who can play to your potential is yourself. And so as we go into 2024, it's, you know, this is a year, I think, about really stepping into potential, stepping into the capabilities that you were born with, that you you are made, you're made with, you, you have these. But it's it's more than that. It's about unlocking 
what I believe are, are some of the mindset shifts that will allow you to step into that in a different way. So number one is it comes from a place of serving. So this is, this is really, um, you know, Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, try not to become a man of success, but uh, become a man of value. And what he was saying there, and I think is really, really key, is that when we focus when, as, as a person of success, and I see this with Dan and I see this with other people too, um, they make it about the other person. They make it about the, um, how can I help that person be more successful? How can I serve those people? And as you're in real estate or as you're, you're growing your business, you're thinking to yourself, how can I make the person in front of me be more successful? As soon as we switch that, or we flip the script to how can I get more deals or how can I get more commissions? It becomes about me and it has the opposite effect of what I want it to do. If I make it about the other person, what I am is I'm becoming magnetic and I'm, and I'm really helping other people play to their best and I'm making it about them. And, and that's, just, that's just principle number one, but it's really, it comes from a place of, of serving. Number two, uh, uh, do you guys know who Jocko Wilnick is? He wrote the book, um, oh, what was his book? Uh, Extreme Ownership. He's a Navy SEAL and he's got this incredible story, but basically, when he he got into like he he had a pretty like staggering career in in the navy seals but uh when he first became a navy seal he said that uh his uh he, he's, on, he's on this new um new team and they're they're all in position and I, I forget where he was serving if it was afghanistan or iraq but he's in the position and they're all looking through the scopes of the guns and they're uh they're kind of like looking out in the field and he steps back and he looks and he kind of um, and he just stops looking through his scope and he sees what he he realizes is there's something over here, but everybody was missing it. But being the new guy, he didn't want to say anything. So he's like, surely my my commander is going to say something. He's going to make the call. But he looks over at his commander and his commander staring through the scope. And so he's like, OK, well, that's that's not, um, you know, it's not working. So he gets on the radio and he, and he calls out the command and everybody says, OK, Roger that go and do it. And he's thinking he's going to get reprimanded, but nobody says anything. They just stand up and they go execute it. And they moved in the position and it ends up being a, um, a good decision. Well, afterwards, Jocko said that he's, um, you know, his, his team leader comes up to him and says, hey, Jocko, step aside for a second. He's like, okay, that's it. Now I'm going to get in trouble. And his team leader says to him, he's like, hey, Jocko, good call. And the key there that he realized is he's like, okay, it was a good call. But why is it that that he was the only person to see the call is that sometimes we get so focused on the outcome that we have in our scope that we miss the opportunity that's happening all around us. Sometimes we get so focused on the thing that we're trying to do that we, we don't step back just to see the bigger picture for a moment. And what Jocko was talking about is like sometimes we get attached to outcomes, sometimes we get attached to the thing that we're trying to do and um and and if we step back and it's no different than when you're serving a client sometimes a client will fall in love with a specific listing they'll fall there's this one house they really want it but there might actually be another deal for them that's a better deal or a better fit but if they can just see all the listings that are in front of them and they can step back emotionally from the one house they'll actually make a better decision and they'll probably get a better deal because they won't be so tied to getting that one place and it's the same thing for ourselves and so he, so anyway, so he rises up in the ranks and he gets this place where there's this um, crisis and, and it's in his book. And it's, but basically there was a blue on blue situation, which is the worst, worst case scenario um, that you ever want. 
and uh, and so it goes to the uh, so he's charged with investigating it, and and he goes through investigating it, and uh, and it's like well, whose fault is it? And so finally they go into the uh, the the, um, the military court and uh, and he's being asked like okay is it this guy's fault? Is it that guy's fault? Is it this guy's fault? And he's like he's like no it's none of their fault. And um, so finally he's thinking about it and he's like well whose fault is it? And he's like okay it's my fault. And when he said those words he thought that the consequence of saying it's my fault was going to be that he was going to get in trouble. But what the judge said is like, okay, you know what? Um, you know, there, there's, there's not good, like, um, so he never got in trouble. But the, what he realized in that moment is the reason he said it was my fault is that he was the only person in that room who was in the position to change anything about it. And so by saying it was his fault, what he was really saying is I'm putting myself in a position where I can actually change this situation from happening again. And um, and that's the next big principle about leadership and success is that we like leaders focus on the things that they can they can have a huge impact on and that they can change. And that's another thing you'll know about our friend Dan. Like he like if you talk to him about the news, he's like he's got his his blinders on. He is so focused about the vision and the direction and where he's going and serving others that it's like all that other noise, it doesn't affect him. It doesn't matter if the market's going up or the market's going down. It doesn't matter if anything changes. What, what matters is that he's got a goal and he's driving towards it. And so that's, that's the, the shift I want you to think about. It's like, it's like focus on the things that are in your control, take ownership of those things because that's an enabling, that's a very, very enabling place to be. You have so much like potential, so much capacity. Um, now, the next thing is that strategy really matters. So you can you can do a lot of things, but once you kind of unlock, um, you know, the the serving, and you unlock the fact that it's about others, and you unlock the fact that you've got a lot of stuff that's in your hands. Now, what you do with your time is very important. We all have the same amount of time in a day, but we aren't using it all the same way. So, what are we putting our time towards so that we're able to achieve the things that we have in our hopes and our dreams? So that we can create the lives that we have. Some people, it's it's you know you want to put your kids through college. Some people, it's, you have different dreams. But it's what are you doing with your time, and are you being strategic with it? Because different strategies have different impacts. So strategy really matters. Now I talked about the potential. Like you have potential, you have purpose, you have a destiny. But here's another key piece, which is it's out of our hearts and out of our minds that things flow. And so where are we? What are we feeding into ourselves? And this kind of relates to what I just talked about, but what, what are we, where are we consuming? Where are we learning? Because learners are growers. Learners are growers. What does uh, Jennifer Salter say? She says, uh, 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 green grows, ripe rot, something like that. And, but it's true. It's like learners are growers. And those people who, um, who, who focus on, on growth material, who, who are consuming stuff that's growing, that is going to massively impact your success because in the morning when you wake up, your mind is clear and fresh and you're excited and you're energized and you're going to run forward. Uh, you're not going to be focusing on the things that are outside of the control. You move a lot faster when you have a light backpack. And a light backpack means sometimes we get attached, like I talked about outcomes, but sometimes we get attached to achievements and an attached to achievement is just as, as, as big as attached to an outcome, because sometimes we'll have an achievement and it'll go really well. And we like we're energized and sometimes we have an achievement and it doesn't go very well at all. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I train cycling all the time. And 
I'm in these races. And as I train in cycling, I'm kind of getting older. And so my body isn't adapting the way it did when I was younger. And so I have to work harder. And if I get sick, it takes a little longer to recover. And there's times where I go and I'll enter a competition and uh, I won't perform at what I feel I should have been able to perform at. And it's, and it, it kind of sucks, right? Like you, 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 you put all this work and time into training and then you, you have this experience. But then the important thing is what's the emotional significance that I'm placing on my performance? Am I comparing myself to others or am I just simply realizing that this is, this is part of the process of getting better? And I think that's like a really important fundamental thing. It's like removing our sense of, of achievement from, a, um, from an emotional standpoint. And so it is just what it is. It's a milestone along the road. And the next day I wake up, I train, I go forward. The next day I wake up, I train, I go forward. And then my body gets better and I perform better on the next race. And that's exactly the, the kind of thing. And then last winter, I went through this exact experience and I ended up not only hitting a personal goal, but uh, our team ended up winning the playoffs. And so it was, it was, um, it just shows like the importance of no matter what it looks like in the moment, just keep pushing forward and, and choosing that. And then uh, Wendy, I think we were on the podcast, I've interviewed you, I think it's coming out soon, uh, next week or so, but we talked about energy and, and what is the energy that we're creating and having on the space around us? Are we a magnetic person? Are we a person that is, that is, that is you know, people want to be around? Are we a person who is, um, who is who's full of life? And th that's another really important question. Now, I think everybody in this room is. I think that you guys are all like amazing people, tons of fun. You guys wake up, you're, 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 you know, and a lot of you are you carrying these immense, like tremendous um, challenges that you're, you're, you're pushing yourself beyond. And the amount of character and discipline and um, perseverance that you have is staggering. It is truly staggering. And it's all inspiring, actually. Um, you know, and, and I can shout out people here like Calera, like like you're the fact that you just get up and go every single day is amazing. Uh, you know, Anna, like it, it's, it's like uh, Amy, like you're all these like amazing individuals that you just choose to go and run and 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 uh, and, and pursue the, the dream and the destiny in spite of the challenges that we face on a day to day basis. And I think so when you think about leadership, um, you got to let go of your past so you have a light backpack so you can take hold of your future and that's that's the thing that i, I it's like if you can if you can understand these things that i, I shared here um it's gonna change it changes everything success is inevitable for like according to the people who have the attitude of gratitude and if you just run after um and there's not just like statements it's it's these are truths um and now i want to ask you another question which is how many people think about this for a second how many people are in your market right now like in your in your in your city or your area that you serve how many people like is it you know four thousand is it twenty thousand is it a hundred thousand some of you it's a million like so, like how many people are in the markets that you serve right now and of those those markets how many people are waking up who are going to be waking up today tomorrow and this weekend thinking about the fact that they need to move, relocate, buy a house or sell. Right now, how many people are waking up thinking about that? There's a lot, a lot of people. So the thing is, is how it's your job to find those people and to serve those people. 
and how you go about your day, the character you develop in the hard times will dramatically help them in, in achieving the goals and the successes that they have in their hearts. And then those outcomes will be that you will have more and more referrals. So there are more than enough deals for everyone. There's more than enough in this world for everyone. But the biggest thing I want to leave you with is just there are people waking up and there's like a lot of good news. Like we woke up this morning and the interest rates have just dropped. That's a good news scenario. Like that's amazing. But you have a potential and you have a purpose. And that is the most important thing is that nobody's going to achieve our potential or purpose except for us. So with that, Marcus, I give it back to you. And I'm excited to hear these brilliant minds. These are some of the incredible people in the roundtable discussion. And uh, yeah, let's go. Let's, let's go take it. it.